everyone, and welcome back once again to the Rockcast, a podcast made by Rockhurst University students for Rockhurst University students and anyone who's interested in life here at Rockhurst. So we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode, so make sure you get comfy. So it's Black History Month, if you don't already know, and we have several special guests on this podcast today to talk about what we've been celebrating this month here at Rockhurst. And I'm sure all of you all have known um, about the incident that occurred about a week and a half ago at one of our virtual events. So we'll be talking more about that in depth later on in this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And we're also gonna continue the conversation of why it's important that black history and the state of race in America gets talked about every month, not just during black history month. Our event showed that while we continue to make progress, there's still so much work to be done. And we're going to talk about the past, present and future. But remember, the conversation can't stop after that. Before we do all of this, let's take a quick break and introduce our cast members for today. We're pleased to be joined by lots of guests. So here's our traditional broadcast introduction. Tell us who you are, your year, where you're from, major, and tell us someone who inspires you. So first, we're gonna start off with Alicia, who is one of our special guests on today. And if you remember from our podcast last February too. Hello, everybody. I'm Alicia Douglas, and I'm the Director of Community Relations and Outreach here at Rockhurst. I also advise our Black Student Union, and I'm really excited to be on uh, the call here today. I've been at Rockhurst since 1999, if you can believe that. Uh, my office is at the Community Center, and I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, someone who inspires me, actually this morning I thought about Oprah, uh, believe it or not, just remembering when she first started out and all that she had to possibly have gone through to become who she is now, which is just thrilling to think about. Hey everyone, I'm Daniel. I'm a sophomore here at Rockhurst University. Um, I'm a poli-sci major here as well and a theatrical arts major. I'm on the executive board for our BIPOC student support group as well as involved in our theatrical efforts here, our theater arts department. Um, I would say someone who inspires me. I think I'm inspired by everyone in my, in my field, by specific figures in my different fields of study and scholarship. I'd say in politics, I'm inspired by Sonny Hassan. Um, in theater and in the world of, of film and arts, I'm inspired by Viola Davis. And um, I'd say in music, I'm inspired by the great uh, Motown singers. Uh, I can think of like Aretha of Luther and uh, mm -hmm. singers of, of that genre, of those genres. Hello everyone, my name is Sydney Truzale. I am a senior here at Rockers and I am from St. Louis. Um, I'm a major in nursing. I had a minor in Spanish. Um, I, someone who inspires me probably the most is my mom. She is someone who is able to see the good in a lot of people. And I find that really inspirational despite like what she's been through. She had breast cancer when I was a freshman in high school and like going through that journey with her and um, seeing how strong she is really inspired me. Hello everyone, my name is Damien. I'm a junior here at Rutgers University. I am also part of the e-board of BSU. I'm the service chair. My major is in psychology. Originally, I came here with chemistry, but I decided to, you know, I was a little too much. 
that point. So I was like, let's go to something else I love. So I'm really enjoying with uh, myself uh, with a psychology major, major and a criminal justice minor with the possibility of creative writing being added to. Um, being inspired, uh, I also agree with Daniel for the most part, not just in my field, but I'm inspired from a wide majority of people, even if they're not in my field. Um, specifically, my mother has been an inspiration for me because of the way she has raised me and my brother just on her own, starting from the projects that we lived in in Poplar Bluff and then moving up here where she works for the federal government. I'm just, it just really encourages me to keep going and find new uh, links to obtain. Hi, I'm Erica Straws. I am a fourth year here at Rockhurst. Uh, my undergrad was in exercise science and I was in the accelerated program uh, for the occupational therapy doctoral program. So on my fourth year, I've started that program. Um, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, I'm on the exec board for BSU. I'm the vice president. And someone who inspires me would be my best friend, um, Kayla Jones. She's actually the president um, of the Black Student Association at NDSU. Um, and just seeing the way she's dealt with things up there and how she carries herself and handles situations. I just, I admire and she's taught me so much and she's just, even though she's like my age and is like my peer and my best friend, um, she's just a strong, beautiful black woman that I look up to. Hello everyone, my name is Brianna Romero. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri and I'm majoring in physics of medicine and bioethics. So I just recently added that, so that should be interesting. Um, I would say that someone who inspires me, it is hard because when you think about like, I, well, I was, I would definitely say like my mom inspires me, but I definitely like the saying, like it takes a village. And so like there has been so many people in my life who has touched me and like really like inspired me to be like the person I am today. So definitely my mom, but like, I know it's broad, but like my village and like, it's so nice to see it spread from St. Louis now into Kansas City and like these amazing people on the call because they helped me out so much and they may not even realize it. Um, so yes, I would just say like everyone around me um, having that good energy and like really being able to want something more and to do something more like that definitely inspires me. I don't know if that was vague, but hopefully it wasn't. <laughs> so yes. So also we should mention, if you missed the previous two episodes, we had a special editions of the broadcast containing an interview with Rodney Schneider, who went from her job of more than 10 years at Jalapenos from Brookside to going back to school to get an accounting degree and messages from December graduates, Berkeley Hayes and Nancy Miller. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, comment, rate, and review us whenever you get your podcast. And if you want to watch this as a Zoom cast, find us at youtube.com slash talk. If you have any questions or topic ideas or are interested in being a guest co-host, send us a DM on Instagram at Rockhurst University or contact us through rockhurst.edu. As regular listeners know, I serve as the president for Rockhurst Black Student Union, and Erica and Damien both serve on our e-board as well. 
we've had a great lineup of events to celebrate Black History Month. So we're just gonna talk about the events um, here on today. So I'll go ahead and explain two of the events. One of them uh, most recently just happened last Friday uh, and it was for the Love of Spades. And that was where we just got everybody involved uh, in, in a tournament to win these great prizes. Uh, two speakers were for the pair of spades and the air fryer that we had, even though the event is called for the love of spades, we also had a dominoes tournament as well. However, during the event, everybody decided to change the game and decided to do spoons, which was a <laughs> bit more vicious, but it was really fun. So two, three people won prizes. It was great. It was a lot of fun. The social media challenge, uh, that's where we just encourage everybody to post figures or anything related to the Black community and then tag BSU. And yeah. Uh, another event that we had this past week was Spill the Tea, and it was almost just like a round table talk, open discussion. Uh, we had a PowerPoints full of slides with just different questions about race, social justice is issues, um, your own things that you've gone through and it was open to anyone and everyone. And we had a variety of people there, even had a few staff and administration. So that was pretty cool. Uh, our next event coming up that we actually had to reschedule was open mic night. And that's it, just an event for anyone to come to, show their talent, show what they've got, read poems, sing, uh, play an instrument, whatever they want to do. So yeah, be on the lookout for us rescheduling that because we wanted to keep it in person. Absolutely. And our next one that's coming up is on February 21st. And it's mental health stigmas in the Black community. And so um, I know personally, like mental health is just not something that is always talked about. And so um, one of the counselors in the counseling center, will, they will be presenting and they're just gonna open the floor for conversation. So anyone is able to attend, I already know that a few um, staff members were interested in attending as well. Um, so we're very excited for that. Um, and then next we have our BSU alumni networking event, which I'm very excited about that. That's next Tuesday on the 22nd. And so we'll be able to see um, BSU alumni and things of that nature. I already have one, um, one alumni specifically that I talked to, I think they graduated last year and everyone on campus knew this alumni. Um, I guess I won't name drop, but he's well-loved, well-loved. <laughs> Whatever, Jamal Perkins. If you don't know Jamal, then like, you need to do like your history, but like Jamal's amazing and he was very excited. So I can't wait to like meet some alumni that I've never met before, but then also see some alumni that I already know. That's so gonna be very exciting. And then like we're doing um, business and like business casual wear and then like taking photos. So it'll be very fun. Next we have BSU day. This is the last Friday of February. It'll be on the 25th. And the way BSU day works, it's a day full of giving. And so how it works is that each BSU member will have a bingo board and they'll have like different um, numbers on there, whether it's $5, $1, $10. And the goal for each eboard member is to fill their entire, entire bingo board. So on the BSU side, the member who um, raises the most money on BSU day will get a prize. But on the community side, um, half of the proceeds will go to BSU, but half of the other half of the proceeds will go to an organization that is aligned with our mission. 
And so we're very excited for that. Um, and it's just a day full of giving, something new that we've never done before. So we're very interested to see like how it goes and everything. And then lastly, to be determined, we're um, hoping to reschedule our Black-owned business panel. And of course, we're gonna dive into that a little bit more um, on the next topic. But yes, I know Erica has been working really, really hard to reschedule this event. So as soon as we can confirm the date and time with those Black-owned businesses, we will make sure we let the rest of the campus community know. So next, we're going to um, go back a little bit and review kind of like what happened during our Black-owned business panel about a week and a half ago. So our previous virtual event to celebrate Black-owned businesses by having guests on a panel format was interrupted by individuals who tried to hijack our meeting. And so I remember that day um, specifically, everything was great, everything was going well, we were excited. The first um, Black-owned business, they introduced themselves. And then after that, like everything just went very terribly. They were shouting racial slurs, saying that our lives don't matter, screaming white power, and so forth and so forth. And so we were forced to shut the meeting down, unfortunately, and we did not start it back up that same night because honestly, it was just a very traumatizing experience and we didn't want to subject any more people to that kind of hate. Um, and so after we were forced to shut down the meeting, um, there are now local and federal investigations into finding out the people who did this. Um, and we know it's a group of people who are based in multiple countries who do this to different organizations who try to promote diversity. And um, what made it very disheartening is that, like aside from the racial slurs, comments and things of that nature, the people who hijacked our meeting display child pornography on our Zoom meeting. And so it was definitely just a disgusting, disgusting act to do. And I remember talking to a BSU member and they said it was just simply evil. Like, why, like you wanted to cause harm. So we're gonna dive into that conversation today. Um, my first question for the guests that we have on today, what was your first initial reaction to the incident? So if you were on the Zoom call, like what was going through your mind either during it or after it? And if you were not on the call, like when did you find out? How did you find out? And then what were your initial reactions as well? Um, initially it was honestly just like shock because like you were saying, like the day had been going so smooth and I had been like running around super scattered, trying to make sure all the businesses were set and like we had all their information correct. And I just, I it was, something like that happening was not even anywhere on my radar. I was not prepared for that. And I, I was in such shock. I was surprised I was able to get my phone out to even like record what was happening. That was like the one thing I knew I needed to do is like, I, I need to record this um, as evidence. But yeah, then following, I just, I just was heartbroken. I was just crushed. Um, a lot of tears followed. Um, and it was, it was just a mix of things because it wasn't like it ended once the Zoom ended. It was like things just got started because then it was like, let's spread the word. We got to contact everyone. We have to make phone calls. We have to do this and that. So it was just a whirlwind after. My initial reaction 
when it occurred was, oh my goodness, we have some childish people on the call. Kick them out so we can continue the meeting. And that was like how I was processing it while it was going on. I was just like, we'll get them kicked out. It'll be okay, blah, blah, blah. However, obviously that did not happen because they got shut down. We just like, everyone had to leave the call. Uh, but my reaction right after that call, it was, I need to do something. I wasn't one of the people that recorded it. However, as soon as it ended, I was like already researching ways of discovering who these people are, looking into the IP addresses, their names and usernames and all that. I wasn't even reacting or processing anything emotionally yet at that moment of when it ended and for like quite a while after it ended until later on that night. But yeah. Yeah, it was certainly a moment of shock and disbelief. Um, I've actually been on uh, Zoom calls or workshops before where something similar has happened, you know, where it's been Zoom bombed. Um, but never anything like this. It was nothing close to this. Uh, I've been on, it was one before, and it's interesting because it was, it was an organization for uh, Latinx community. And, and it was, then someone had just caught in on the conversation, you know, it's just, people were just having a conversation. It was really about like, oh, we just, we're, we just want to get community together to talk about, um, the good things that are happening with our organization and, and what's coming next and just, you know, thank everybody. And that's all it was. But then somebody came in and they were just hollering. It was just random. It was hollering. It was kind of that my initials <laughs> for that one was just like, okay, this guy's nuts. I'm, so, I'm, so it was kind of like that inappropriate laughter that he have in a situation like, okay, this guy's insane but then this situation that we had um was it, I did, and traumatic is i think a light word <laughs> to put it um because because of the severity of it because of all of the the shouting and at first when i first heard it, i kind of had a similar to damien like okay well maybe this is you know somebody's got something going on in the background at first i thought oh somebody's playing some music, whatever, you know, trying to, like, I'm going to cut it off, but then it was, like, clear, and I mean, because it felt like it happened super fast, and so it was clear that it was someone with vile intent, um, with all the shouting and everything that they did, and, and then the imagery um, of the children was just too much. It's, um, so that was, it was like, okay, how do we shut this down? How do, couldn't could not do it fast enough. The more whenever I replay it in my mind, I still think that there, there was there I, I, there was no way we could to do it fast enough um, because of all the harm that it caused. I was actually um, and not at the panel, but I do recall wanting to join the panel. And by the time I had wanted to join, and was in the process of joining the Zoom call. I remember everything at that instant had, had gone down. There was an uproar um, all across social media. I remember receiving several emails. Um, e even beyond the day, 
Um, and I remember just texting people, trying to figure out what had gone down. Um, but I remember the very first, the very first sentiment, much like Erica and much like some of the other uh, people have mentioned was shock. I was flabbergasted at first. And then it, it, from, from there it was, I was angry. And then I was like numb. And then I, I, I felt a necessity to like reach out to people um, and find what my part was, was in aiding or in just listening really. Um, but I think what was most culminative, just being on the outside and just looking in was the level of like endurance, the level of incentive, the level of black endurance specifically. And it's something that I've mentioned in the past before in conversations with my peers and in conversation with several other people who frequent BSU and uh, my friends who are in BSU, the majority are. Um, I remember being inspired and it, it's unfortunate that things have to go down for there to be such inspiration or for there to be such incentive or initiative it shouldn't be that way it shouldn't have to be that way but there's definitely and certainly something to be said about the call to action and the response and the level of black endurance for me was just admirable the first time i heard about what happened was um actually erica's post on social media um and then it got spread pretty quickly and I mean my initial reaction was like to Daniel's being like oh my god like just shock that that what happened and just that the level of like pure hatred and like like Alicia was saying like evil and such uh like that someone would do something like that and I really didn't know what to do I mean I was just like you know like what can I do besides reach out support you know like I wasn't there I didn't experience it and it was kind of like you know what can I do from here besides you know reaching out to the people who I know who were there and just asking you know like how I can support and it was incredible to see the amount of people who came to the event on um, the quad and just the response I think, um, you know, much like Daniel was saying, it's really unfortunate that a lot of times that response comes after such a horrible incident rather than before. And the support, you know, is not, not there right away, but after something happens. And it's great that that support's there, but maybe that it's not as proactive is unfortunate. But I was blown away by how many people I saw there and the definitely resilience in the community and um yeah I was that was what struck me it was just being so shocked that that would happen and um seeing what happened afterwards and how everyone was able to rally together to put on that event I yeah it was powerful mm -hmm. I know um, for those who are listening, if you don't know the event on the quad that she's talking about, um, BSU hosted a Stand for Solidarity event where we had um, a reading of a statement that we sent out to <coughs> school. We've had um, poetry readings. We talked about the events that we had coming, um, 
coming up in the future and so forth. And so we invited the entire campus community to attend. Um, and there has even been um, faculty and staff who were recommended to either start their class later or in their class earlier so that students are able to attend this event. But I do know like, as far as like the aftermath of it, like um, emails, texts, DMs, like it was, it was very, it was very overwhelming. Um, and I, I literally like, I could not stop looking at my phone. Like I would read them, but then I wouldn't answer and then I would forget to answer. And so, um, but I definitely would say like, you know, like the support, like was definitely appreciated. And so it's kind of like where we move on from here. But um, I know we kind of talked about like the incident and what happened, but I think it's also to highlight like things that have happened in the past and why they are still happening today um, for something like that to occur. And so um, I know for me personally, and I can also add to people on this call, but like, what was it like telling like your parents, grandparents, or any like family members or people that you love or care about who are like older than you? So let's say like a different generation, like what was their reaction of what happened? But I can go first. Um, so I originally have five grandparents, um, have a step-grandma too. So, um, but currently I now have four. And so I heard from all four of them and, um, and some of my great aunts. So not to age drop, but they're like, you know, like seventies and stuff, like they're old, but um, bless their heart. But it was, it was very interesting to hear their point of view. Um, I remember, talking to my great aunt and she was and my grandpa because they're siblings and they were just pretty much saying like it was always our hope that like our kids and our especially our grandkids would never have to experience the form of like hate that we had to experience and endure and they was just saying like we knew that it was still there but it's still just it's still disheartening that you all have to go through some of the things that we had to go through on a daily basis. And so, but at the end of the day, like I know my great aunt was telling me like, continue to fight, you know, like it's okay to be tired. Like it's okay to stop, take a breath. It's okay to react. It's okay to sit and think and discern what you wanna do next. But, you know, don't let nobody like dim your shine and like you wanna make some noise, make some noise, you know? And so I think like that was like the encouraging moment for me because now it's kind of have me thinking like, okay, like what side of history do you want to be on? And like, I think everyone has their own um, style of like how they fight injustice and things of that nature. But it's, it kind of makes me think like, well, what kind of life do I want for my grandchildren and my children? Um, and so, yeah, so that was, those are kind of like the initial reactions. Um, before I called Alicia after the event, I called my mom, which like I called her, but I was already crying. And she's like, what happened? I was like, give me a minute. And then I kept crying. I'm like, maybe I should have waited and then called her. She's like, what's going on? I was like, hold on. And so I had to like, really like, you know, catch my breath. But she was like, do you need me to do, is something I need to do? Do I need to have so-and-so come down? Like, I was just like, mom <laughs> I was like I love you but I don't even know right now and so yes yeah, so like but just 
and like the support and like um like she is in a different generation than I am but like of course her experience and our experience is probably the most similar compared to like my grandparents who were have way more blatant um things thrown at them but um the last thing that I kind of want to say on that is I remember talking to Alicia Damien and Erica and I think the a big problem that we have today when comparing the past to the present is that a lot of people believe that, well, oh, well, it's not apparent. It's not like blatant. Like it's not people walking around calling you this, that, and the other. And I literally told them like, it's the exact same circumstances, just in a different font. Like it just looks different, but it's the same hate. It's the same goals. And this is the same mission to bring black people down. Like it's the same, it just looks different. And honestly, even when you truly look at the news and like read what's going on, you find out that it's not that much different. It's just a little, a little tweak to make it the modern day era. And now you're seeing a rise in social media. Whereas my grandparents, I said, we didn't even have social media. So we didn't see it from that angle. But now it's like, it comes into your home. You're seeing it on a day-to-day basis on your phone. So I think that was just a very great perspective as well. My dad, who is just 60 years old and very proud, uh, <clears throat> he was like one of the first people I really wanted to, to talk to after it happened. And he wasn't available at the time because he was like at my little sister's game. And like he wasn't, he wasn't receiving the text initially and wasn't in a place where he could call. So we had three different conversations, one that night on the phone, just kind of like recapping what happened. Then the next day he kind of checked in early in the morning, which was really nice and comforting, just being like, how are you doing? Like, just what's what's going on? And then that night I got to see him in person and just like standing across from him, like in the kitchen felt different because there's just like a certain power and energy my dad holds that he was like giving to me in that moment um, where he was just talking about his past experiences, bringing up some conversations that we've had. Um, and just similar to you, Bri, about like, just like not letting it knock you down for too long. Like you can be down, but like, we gonna fight. And he talked about, cause he um, played baseball in college and his team was predominantly black and they went to uh you know go to another team's field and they were predominantly white and you know the other team was losing and like the parents from the crowd were like yelling how are you gonna let them inward um beat you and like yet like yelling 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 and his coach was like no we're not we're gonna not gonna react the way they're reacting we're not gonna like start fighting nothing like that we're just going to turn our heads and walk off this field and he was just telling me like that's how you're going to be like you're going to hold your head high and you're going to go to work and it just I don't know it was very empowering it was also kind of like shook me to my core a little bit because like I I was just like I just I gotta I gotta make my dad proud gotta make my dad proud and you know just gotta I just want to move in the way that he moved when he was younger and still continues to move uh, to this day. So, yeah. My experience with my mother uh, was a bit intricate, I guess is the word. She was also one of the businesses, 
part of the panel. So she was one of the four businesses. Um, and immediately after it, actually I wouldn't say immediately, a little after the event, she decides to just send a text where it's like, people are stupid in a way. And I was like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> That's the response that I get. Cause it's not, she just wanted to make sure in a way that I'm not too emotionally out of, out of control, if that makes sense. So she was just trying to make a little light of the situation and just keep it level in a sense. And in that moment, I somewhat appreciated it. Um, however, I didn't get to talk about it with her again until actually the Super Bowl uh, Sunday. Um, went home and I admitted that it was like, how are you, how are you doing about this situation emotionally? And she just looks at me funny because she wasn't expecting such a question because she wasn't even expecting to talk about it on the day of Super Bowl and everything. But she admitted that she noticed it affected her work. Like she never got to like really talk about it except one of her friends. Um, but it affected her work in the sense of anger. She was very mean to supervisors, her manager, to every customer that she was talking to over the phone. And she like realizes it halfway through the day. And she's like, I may need to like take a day off because unfortunately at this moment, I am just very mad at everyone in the world. And I was like, hmm. So that already speaks volumes to how everything that she experienced, even just growing up, is like, what's the word? Marinating and circulating. Uh, and it's just like starting to boil again after this moment. And I guess just seeing that it put me weirdly at peace because now I know that she was having a reaction to it rather than just making light of it. I was like, okay, so it's clear that it's okay to have that emotion in the sense. So I don't know, it was just, it was just a lot. And it was good to see that she had a reaction, even though it was like a bad reaction at work, but. I can relate to that because I, because I, from a couple of different ways I can relate to it. So it's, I think, what is the reaction to have? And so I remember in the moment trying to manage, so to speak, so manage reaction. Um, because it's like, well, you don't wanna go too far in one direction that could possibly be the wrong one, the wrong way to go, or in the other direction, you know, where you, where you can't do anything. I feel like, cause I feel like in that moment for me anyway, it was like, like you can be extremely angry or you can be, become this, this shell, you know, where you just wanna just go under the covers, at least for me, like go under the covers, not come out ever again. Um, for when I, I did call my mom, but it was days before I told her about it. And it's not like we've always had like this chatty relationship, but for some reason it was like, well, 
and she because she had called me I don't know I think she just figured there must be something going on and I, but it was days before I talked to her and she she's in her 60s and and I'm like I don't know how she's going to react to this that was my thought I don't necessarily want to tell her because I don't know what her reaction is I mean it's I, there's nothing she can do about it or anything like that but it's just like, what do you think? But then I think at the same time, it was, it was still good to share it. It was still good to talk about it. Um, and I remember calling my best friends that, gosh, was it that, yeah, I think it was that night because I needed to, to talk to them, but it, but it did, it brought back things over time that happened where you're thinking through stuff. Like I remember things from back when I was in college, even I remember thought back on my grandma and being a little kid and she was scared for me to go to school. I just remember that. And it wasn't scared, like don't go to school, but it was like, she would give me all these rules before going to school. Like, okay, you know, if the kids react, you know, this way or they act that way to you, just remember, remember you gotta turn the other cheek. You know, she would say stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, oh, we're just going to go to school. And I'm thinking life is like Mr. Rogers, you know, you're in the first grade. That's that's how it's supposed to be. We're going to be fine. We're all going to get along, you know, but, you know, but looking back as an adult, it's like, I get it. I get why she was saying all these different things because she had come through, she had gone through all these other things, seeing all this stuff go down because um, you think about Ruby Bridges, you know, a little kid getting escorted to school by the National Guard. That's that's insane. That's that's crazy talk. But she lived through that. She that was real. That was real talk, real time. Um, so you know, so but it brings back all these things that are like, you know, you have these historical things that happen, but but this is but it's real. It's real life. When it's real life, you have to figure out. How to deal with it and go back to like we said your village you know the village becomes really really important in that time thank you so much alicia i really enjoyed that perspective one last thing that i want to ask you all is what needs to happen to ignite more changes faster and like what call to action would you like to see from your fellow students here at rockhurst and across campuses in america <clears throat> Uh, this is something I feel very passionate about. It's something that we have been talking about nonstop since the yes. incident occurred. Absolutely. Um, so you, you might have to just stick with me for a moment while I rant. Um, I need people to realize that just not being racist or just actively racist is not enough. That's not enough. You're not doing something great by not being just actively super racist. That's, that's not enough, that's baseline. That's where everybody should be. Um, you need to be moving different. Like you, just posting Black Lives Matter on your social media once in a while is not enough. You need to be spreading the word about a lot more on your social media and physically doing things that are different like going to vsu meetings and events and it's not just like oh us trying to promote our club it's like people don't understand that it's different like when you go to a vsu meeting or event you're hearing 
the experiences of your peers and like what they're going through, what's happening on campus. Like how else are you supposed to learn if you don't go listen to your peers? But, oh, because you're not racist, you don't use the N-word, like you're cool, right? Like, no, that's not how that works. And people think that they can just show up to our solidarity event and, you know, have their few seconds of, you know, showing their face, like, look here, I'm wearing black and I'm down for the black community. Like, that's great, don't get me wrong, we need that. But we had that big crowd out there, you know, when we had that camera yep. and for your face to be seen in front of everyone. But then where were you that night at our BSU meeting when our black brothers and sisters were sharing what had happened to them? We had a much smaller crowd that night at our meeting. And that just, I'm like, you showing up to hold a sign, show your face, be like, yeah, is that's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah. I agree with a lot of what Erica says. We've uh, discussed this quite often about what needs to be changed, about like the frustration we feel about the students on campus and even just around the nation in the sense of that action of showing up just for cameras, but not showing up where it needs to matter, not even trying to promote help or anything of that sort, other black businesses, uh, black people are going through trauma and everything. Um, one of the things I just like to mention before I get chaotic in the sense of my thoughts um, <laughs> is something was asked by somebody who did decide to come to the meeting, BSU meeting, after uh, showing up to the advocacy event. And he's been trying and planning on coming to the BSU event for quite often for quite some time. Um, and he decided to ask at the end, uh, what could he do like specifically in the way of like, what do we want him to do? And one of the things that we'd mentioned to him was like, you're doing it right now, quite honestly, like showing up to BSU after such an event like that and to listen and to, to try to continue to listen. One of the things I, because I wrote and read a poem during the advocacy event, and I put a line from a custodian who works here, who just so happens to also be my barber. Um, he put, he, we talked about it while I was getting my hair cut, and he'd said that one of the things that this nation literally needs to provide minorities, just overall minorities, is a platform to where they can vent and get everything that they want to say off, they, off their chest without like repercussions in that sense, using their freedom of speech the same way racist people use their freedom of speech when it comes to like public platforms and everything. And I think that was so powerful that I just had to put it into my poem because that is very true. Like just having all that uh, boiling and piling up of anger and events and not being able to say or speak on it or emotionally deal with it with other people is just, it's so much. And of course you're gonna get reactions in the way that you're getting sometimes in the community with certain minorities. You're gonna get excessive reactions. That's, that's what happens when built up, when you let stuff build up. 
Um, another thing that I would like to add about uh, what needs to happen to ignite more changes faster is you can't just deal with the event. After dealing with the event, you need to go into your system and start making changes to policy, laws, whatever it may be that that starts there. It like, yes, thank you for dealing with the event, but you all need to group up and say, why does this happen? Why does it keep happening? Make changes to policies and the way your, your system is structured. That's where it needs to start. Quite honestly, that's how we can move faster. And yeah, before I get too chaotic, that's, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I definitely agree with so many things that you all said. And I remember when we had our general body meeting, something that someone um, said, which stood out to me was, it was along the lines of, I want you to want it. I don't want you to feel obligated to do it because then when people feel that obligation, there's like, oh, well, this is something I have to do. I have exactly. to do, I have to support. I have to go to class. Like, I want you to want it. And it was, and someone was saying, like, you standing by me, but not really for me. I'd rather stand alone. And, like, that's just mm -hmm. so many volumes because that fake support is actually a detriment to the cause because then you're not truly doing anything. You're just putting your face on it. Um, and so, yes, and then, like, the things that, like, Damien and Erica said, absolutely, absolutely. And something else <clears throat> that I kind of just want to add on to it is that, even outside of campus, within your family, home, work, you should be doing the same thing. Because my thing is, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be there every single time that you're encountered with someone or situation or you're a bystander. I'm not going to be there. Erica's not going to be there. Alicia's not. None of us is going to be there. So it's how will you react in those situations where honestly, it's going to come down to you, your heart and your mind and what you want to do. And I think that's what speaks volumes because can you stand up when you know you're not going to get the recognition for it? Can you stand up when you know you're not going to get that applause that yes, you're good or you're a part of it? No, you stand up during those times. And then like on a, my last note, which there's a lot of notes, but my last note for this. Um, also, Damien mentioned like beyond the incident. There are so many things that like, you know, happens on this campus, other campuses, and like those individuals need their support just as much. Hear their voices, listen, help them. Even um, as far as like reporting, who can they come to? Can they feel comfortable coming? These are all things that like a lot of minority students on this campus have to go through. And it's not just black students, people not in at all. ASU, Unity, all of that, like, Anybody who has like that identity is, is disheartening. And it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. It's definitely something that needs to be in the forefront of people's minds. And of course I could go on a, a rant too, just like Demi said, but you know, that's like my, not, that's like my five cents. <laughs> if I could just add Brie, what you just said at the very end there like being in the forefront of your people's minds like that's that's what it is is like you have to make it a priority I don't know why like people will tell me with the events that we've had or like BSU meetings 
would be like, sorry, I wasn't able to make it like I had homework. Sorry, I wasn't able to make it like I just had to take a personal day. I'm like, you think I didn't have homework? You don't, you don't think I need to take a break? No, I'm sorry, this was more important. I can't forget that I'm black. I can't, my peers can't forget that they're black. You know, when they just, you know, they can't just take a step away from that when they want. So like you, you have to make it a priority. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yeah, like we're, we're all dealing with schoolwork as well. We're all trying to be students, but there's something a little bit bigger going on here that you have to make a priority as well. Absolutely. And I think like, with everything that's going on, like, I think it has inspired people. And I'm just, like, so anxious to do more. And, like, because, and we also had this conversation, I just talked about, like, supporting those other groups, but it literally could have happened to anyone. So how I look at it, like, it's not only accountability for everyone on this campus, but it's all of us, me included, because it could have easily, like we talked about in our journal body meeting, it could have easily happened to a soul organization. It could have easily happened to Unity and so forth, ASU, because that's the world that we live in. And it's disheartening and I never want them to ever have to go through that. But the fact that that's a possibility is something that we need to be aware of. So yeah, let me step off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so as we close this podcast, let this be our call to action what will you do when no one's watching? What side of history will you be on? Like Erica talked about, will you follow anti-racist tendencies? Not just not be racist, will you actively be anti-racist? What will you do? How will you respond if there's another situation? How will you uplift your fellow students on this campus? How will you show up? These are things that everyone needs to think about, including myself because I wanna be a better ally as well. Um, so definitely keep that in your mind as you move forward, not just through this month, but every month. So for Daniel A. Warrior, Alicia Douglas, Sydney Truesdale, Erica Strauss, Damian Hood, and me, Brianna Merle, we're signing off. Thank you so much for tuning in and we cannot wait for you all to listen to our next podcast. <laughs> like, I was like, let me start with his name. <laughs>